good hey, morning, good morning everybody. everybody. So good. great to have you all here this morning. And uh, is anyone happy that it's Labor Day weekend? Oh yeah. Does anyone get a day off on Monday? Yeah. Awesome. Way to go. Great. My name is Andy Middlecoff. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome here this morning. We're so glad you're here and uh, looking forward to opening up God's word with you. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. If you are using one of the Bibles in the seat rack in front of you, it is on page 924. 924, and if you're newer to the Bible, it's towards the end of the Bible. But Colossians chapter 2, we're continuing in our short series called Better Together, because we as believers in Christ are better together rather than out there on our own as lone rangers. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian, right? So better together. And um, uh, welcome. If you are a guest with us, if this is your first time or one of your first times here, uh, welcome here. We're glad you're here. Uh, we'd love to meet you. I'll be out in the courtyard. I'd love to meet you there. But there's also people at the kiosk here in the lobby in the kiosk out there in the courtyard. You can ask any questions or find someone with a, a name badge on. Um, and uh, we have a gift for you as well at one of the kiosks. So uh, grab it. We have these new uh, mugs that we just got in. are pretty cool. So, um, And welcome for those of you who are online. Glad you can watch with us this morning. And um, in, in your seat racks in front of you, we also have the bookmark for the new series that we're starting next Sunday. We're going to start the book of Matthew. Praise God. Awesome book of the Bible. So we're going to go um, chapter by chapter through the book of Matthew. And it's called A Light in the Darkness. Um, these have scriptures that you can read a chapter uh, basically five days a week and, um, and a verse that you can memorize with us. And then also there's the journals, our, our LBC journals. They're free. They're on either one of the kiosks. You can pick them up. But they help you as you're reading through those uh, chapters or any other part of the Bible that you're reading. And they, they take you through a series of questions that helps you dig into the Word of God a little bit more. So grab one of those two if you would like. And if you're interested, that would be great. Um, I think that's all I have. So let's, let's pray and jump into Colossians chapter 2. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and among us this morning as it is in heaven. Lord God, you are good. And we do pray, our Father in heaven, as, as we sang about your words of life, thank you that you, your Son, and your Holy Spirit, you are our life. And you have shown us yourself, you've revealed us yourself in your word. Let your word of life Open our hearts and minds, Lord God. I pray that you would do a good work in us and among us this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't it true uh, that the power of discouragement can be so strong? And isn't it true that we can get discouraged sometimes easier than we'd like to admit we can get discouraged. All kinds of things discourage us. I mean, just turn on the news, right? I was watching the news last night going, this is really good, you know, uh, lots of really good illustrations for my sermon of discouraging things, which I'm not going to bring up. When you go to the gas station, you're discouraged, right? When you go to the grocery store, you're discouraged, right? Maybe there's discouragement in your relationships. Maybe your marriage, there's something in your marriage is tough. It's difficult. It's discouraging. Maybe with your kids, or maybe you're a kid and it's with your parents, or with siblings, or kids at school. There's all kinds of relationship discouragements. Uh, you might be rejected or feel rejected by someone you would hope would accept you, right? We've all experienced that. You may have lost somebody you love. They passed away. They moved away. They moved to a different school. 
um, losses. We, we grieve. We, we're discouraged about these things. We may be battling a temptation, and we keep saying yes to it, even though we're trying to say no to it. It's discouraging. We're just feeling that temptation can be discouraging. We get angry. We get frustrated. Um, all kinds of discouraging things happen in our lives. And, and what do we do when we feel discouraged? I think I'm embarrassed to admit that often I go back to my old habits, right? How did, I, how did I make myself feel better back when I was younger, back before I was walking with the Lord? It's ingrained in my brain. And so we can't go to those places, right? Often it's sinful or it's foolish or it's selfish. It ends up hurting us more than helping us, right? And hurting other people in our lives rather than helping us. We, we might go back to self-pity or, uh, or self-flagellation or, or self-medication uh, of some sort, right? Um, it's as if we forget God in those times. It's easy to forget God when we're discouraged, right? But this morning I want us to remember, and God's Word is reminding us, um, that we can go to Him. We ought to go to Him. We should go to Him because He's the God of encouragement. And we're going to see that in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, in the Bible, God tells us a number of ways that he encourages us, but this morning we're going to focus in on two and primarily one way that he encourages us and he wants to encourage us. So would you uh, look with me at Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. It's a short scripture uh, with a lot of power. So God, through the apostle Paul, says this, to originally to the Colossian believers and, and to us today. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Why? That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This morning, we're going to look at how do we receive God's encouragement? How do we experience God's encouragement and enjoy it? Well, first of all, if you're following in the notes, uh, to find God's encouragement, first of all, realize that God wants to encourage you and trust the fact that he actually does want to encourage you. I think um, so often, like I said, we forget that he wants to encourage us. We forget that we can go to him. So we go back to our old sinful, selfish, foolish habits, which end up hurting us more than helping us and hurting our relationship with God more than helping our relationship with God, right? But we need to remember, if we forget this, how we're not going to go to him uh, for encouragement. We need to remember it. We need to trust it. We need to realize it. And often we get this wrong view of God. You know, we get this view of God that he's this cold, stern, distant, just sort of harsh, you know, uh, taskmaster out there. So why would we go to him for encouragement, right? If that's what God is like. And I think that's what Satan wants us to think that God is like. Or that he doesn't care about what we're going through that's discouraging us. But the good news is, as I was reading this and studying the scripture this week, it just kind of had this aha moment like, it's encouraging just knowing that God wants to encourage us. Isn't that encouraging? It's, it's so encouraging that our God, our Creator, our Savior, our King wants us to be encouraged. And, and that's not to say that He doesn't allow suffering in our lives, right? Sometimes we think that, oh, God just wants me to suffer. Well, 
To be honest with you, He does. Scripture through and through from Genesis to Revelation says He does want us to suffer, but He wants us to find encouragement in the suffering from Him rather than from our own selfish ways. So that's the good news. He wants to encourage us. And, and well, what does it mean when He uses the word encouraged here? He, he, he wants us to be encouraged. What does that word encourage mean in verse 2? Look at verse 2 again. It says that their hearts that their hearts may be encouraged. Well, in one of the most uh, well-respected Greek-English dictionaries, it says this. This is what it means to be encouraged in this uh, sentence. It, It means to instill cheer or courage. It means to instill cheer or courage. And so what does that mean? Well, it depends on the situation. If you're lacking courage to do something that God wants you to do, God wants to instill courage into you, right? Uh, Or in in another situation, if you have sorrow, if you're discouraged in the sense of you're sad about something or you're depressed about something, God wants to instill joy or cheer within you. Isn't Isn't that encouraging? Does anyone want to say thank you, Jesus, for that? Isn't it awesome that he cares and he knows? He knows what's going on. You know, lately, just uh, over a number of issues, I, can, I just have this, this sadness that washes over me. It's like, Lord, I'm feeling sad. I need some encouragement. God wants us to go to Him for encouragement, for joy, or for courage, depending on what we need. And what does it mean when He says um, in verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged? It doesn't just say that they may be encouraged. It says that their hearts may be encouraged. What, is, what does that mean, their hearts? Well, um, in America for, for a long time, uh, we've thought of a heart, our hearts, as referring to our emotions, which that's part of it, but that's only part of it. If it was only our emotions that God wanted to encourage, that would be very surfacey. That, that wouldn't be deep, the, the deep encouragement that we need. We need deeper encouragement than just the surface level of our emotions. But in the Bible, heart refers to, yes, our emotions, but also to our thoughts, our desires and will, and to our beliefs. Uh, our heart really refers to who we really are, that only really God knows and that we, we partly know. No one else really sees it. We can put on a face, um, but it's, it's the core of our being. God is saying, I want to encourage you so deeply that it will impact every other area in your life. That's what God wants to do. He wants to encourage your heart. He wants to encourage my heart. And it's, it's uh, as I was noticing in the first verse here in chapter one, notice how... how um, strongly the Apostle Paul wants this for the Colossian believers who are struggling and for us today, for all history who would read this book. Look at verse 1. He says, For I, Paul, want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, which was a nearby city, and for all who uh, have not seen me face to face. Why? That their hearts may be encouraged. The Apostle Paul, he says, I am struggling to make sure that you're encouraged. And that word struggle, the Greek word, is the word where we get agonize from, okay? So Paul is agonizing. He's wanting so much for these Colossian believers to be encouraged. Um, Why would Paul want that? Because that's what God wants. He's writing God's words here. These aren't just Paul's words. These are ultimately God's words. God wants them. They were discouraged. They heard the gospel. They believed it. It's by grace that we're saved, that Jesus lived a perfect life, 
died on that cross to forgive all sins, rose from the dead, and all we need to do is truly trust in him and repent of our sins, and we have eternal life. False teachers were coming in and said, that's all good, but you also need this too. So they were discouraged. They're thinking, are we really saved? Are we, are, are we right with God? Or do we have peace with God or not? So God had to clarify. God was saying, look, I want to encourage you with the true gospel. It's by grace that you're saved. And consider Paul. Where was Paul when he was writing this letter to the Colossian believers? He was in prison. <laughs> this man who was in prison, who had the most right to be discouraged and have self-pity and complain, what is he doing? He's saying, I am agonizing to make sure that you are encouraged. Because that was God's heart working in him and through him, giving him the strength to be content in any and every situation. Now, uh, a little caveat to this is this. Um, should we expect, if we're choosing to remain in a sin and say, no, God, I, I'm, I'm not going to change. I'm going to continue in this sin. It's good. It feels good. It feels right. So even if your word says it's wrong, I'm going to do it anyway. Should we expect to receive God's encouragement when our hearts are hardened towards him like that? No, we shouldn't. But here's the good news. As soon as, the very second that you say, God, I was wrong, I was wrong, forgive me, I'm sorry for that, give me the power and the strength, help me to desire rightly, help me to change, I'm trusting in you, I'm going to turn away from that sin. At that very moment, we are 100% forgiven, right? At that very moment, we are 100% totally, completely forgiven. And he chooses to forget that that sin was in our lives, okay? So we can be fully encouraged, but if we're holding on to that sin, stiffening our necks, hardening our hearts, that might be one reason why you're discouraged. And it doesn't mean that every time you're discouraged it's because of some sin, don't get me wrong. But sometimes it is, and we need to be willing to repent, right? So I'm encouraged just the fact that I see from this scripture how much God wants to encourage us. We simply need to receive it and trust it rather than to turn to our old habits and hang-ups. Secondly, um, how can we receive, how can we find encouragement from God, in God, in Christ, when we're discouraged? Secondly, if you're following in the notes, um, aim for loving fellowship with other believers. Right? Aim for loving fellowship with other believers. Some of you are going, what does having loving fellowship with other believers have to do with God encouraging me? And others of you are going, that's pretty basic, right? Because because it really is basic. This is um, key to our Christian lives. It's foundational to our Christian lives, but sometimes we forget it. That God wants to work through you and me to encourage each other in the Lord through prayer, through Scripture, through being there for each other, through even sometimes crying with each other, through sharing, putting you on uh, sometimes uh, on their shoulder, um, God wants us to be there for each other, to encourage each other. And we see that in verse 2. Uh, he says this, verse 2, that, why is he struggling so hard? Why? That their hearts may be encouraged. And the idea next is kind of, well, how? Being knit together in love. In the Bible, God tells us a number of ways that he encourages us or, or offers encouragement to us if we're willing to receive it. One of those, like in Romans chapter 15, is the Bible itself. Like we sang about, the promises in the Bible are so encouraging. And that's what they're there for, to encourage us. But another key in the Bible when he talks about encouragement is, how does he encourage us? It's through each other. 
through each other, through other believers in Christ. And we can praise God for that. I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of a church family that constantly encourages me. That's one of the greatest benefits of being a pastor. And it's not like I signed up for that. I didn't think that would happen. But man, so many people every, every week, whether I'm in a small group with you or here at the church, uh, are asking, how am I doing? How's my family doing? They're praying for me. They're praying for our family, whatever. I'm just like, this is awesome. Everyone needs this. Everyone should be a pastor. Wait a minute, that's not quite right. But anyway, but uh, so it's just a blessing. I, everyone in the church should, should have that uh, opportunity and joy. That's what God wants for us. Um, so he, he uses this word that has really intrigued me um, this week, and not just this week, and uh, a couple of years ago when I was studying this to teach it uh, in chapter 2, I noticed the words knit together, right? Chapter 2, verse 2, it says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. And I kept thinking about that word, knit together, or two words, right? Knit together, what does that mean? And just mulling it over, reflecting on it, that's called meditating, right? What, is, what, what, what does that mean and how does that apply to our lives? I looked at other, other Bibles to see how that Greek word was translated, and uh, some translated as bound together, bound together, or united together, which are fine translations. But more literally, from the Greek into the English, it's knit together. And, and that's why most of the translations have the words knit together. And, and I love it because it's such a good word picture of being knit together. Now, I have not knit a single thing in my life. So I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, maybe some of you have knit stuff together. So I, I had to actually look it up in a dictionary um, to, to find out exactly what knitting is. Because I've seen people knit, right? I've seen, you know, people do this, um, but, but I've never done it. So I've got to, I'm one of those people that, what's the definition, right? So, all right, so it, it, it's this. It's to, it means to intertwine a yarn or thread in a series of connected loops by hand or by machine. So it's intertwining. You take these strands of yarn or strands of thread and you intertwine those in a series of, of loops, of loops. By hand, I've seen, you know, ladies doing the loop thing and then, or by machine, right? Okay, so praise God for those things. Um, I don't think I'll probably ever do that, but it's, it's a good word picture because what happens is these strands of yarn or thread that are kind of out there on their own brought together in such a way that they stick together. You can't easily pull them apart. I mean, if you really tried, you could, you know, rip a sweater apart or something, but, but they're, they're really together. They're united together. It made me think of, of wearing sweaters. Now, I know you're thinking about wearing a sweater this week. The fact that it's going to be 113 degrees on Tuesday. Get out your sweaters, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, but do you remember a time way back when, when it was cold in Bakersfield? You don't remember that, do you? I forget. It's like, oh yeah, why do I have all these sweaters hanging up in my closet? You know what I mean? And so, but thank the Lord, um, if, if you're new to Bakersfield, it does eventually cool off, uh, like in December, right? Okay, so now, in December, when you get your sweaters, and I love sweaters, I wear sweaters every day in, in the cool seasons, just imagine now all the, all the yarn that was, that was carefully knit together by that machine or by that hand, looping those together to hold them together to provide a benefit, a blessing for you, right? Now, imagine if you just um, un unraveled that, I wouldn't know how to do that, but unraveled that sweater and just took the strands of, of, of yarn from that sweater and just sort of put them on yourself, kind of wrapped them around a little bit and just sort of draped them on yourself, would that keep you warm on a cold day? 
No, 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 no. It, it really wouldn't. It really wouldn't. It might, it might help a little bit, especially if you put a bunch around your neck, just kind of wrapped it around that. But um, really, here, here's, here's the question. When you think of our church, Laurel Glen Bible Church, that we're a part of, would you consider yourself connected like the yarn in a sweater that's been looped and intertwined together with other believers? Or are you more like just kind of a strand out there on your own? Awesome. Thank you. One person is looped. Uh, so by himself? No, just kidding. Uh, because the, the fact is, is that I think we can easily get into the strand mode, uh, almost thinking that we can do it ourselves. But the fact is, is that when the winds of false teaching come, when the discouragements come, we can easily get blown away, right? We need to be linked together, intertwined together with other believers, each one of us, each one of us, whether you've been here for years and years and years, or you just started coming today, um, whether you've been a Christian for years and years and years, or you're a brand new Christian, we need to be interlinked together with others. And um, I, I appreciate what uh, the Expositor's Bible Commentary said. You might see it up on the screen here about what it means to, uh, to be knit together. I, I like how they described it. He says, Christians are not to live as islands, indifferent to one another, but as interconnected parts of a greater glorious whole who care for and encourage each other. That's a great definition of being knit together, isn't it? Are you knit together with other believers? Or are you an island on your own? So Colossians 2.19, a little bit later in, in Colossians chapter 2, he also uses the words knit together. Take a look at Colossians 2.19, which gives us a little more insight into the fact that this is part of being the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Jesus is the head, meaning he's in charge. He's our king and our savior. And we are his body, his hands and feet on this earth. So look at verse 19, and it kind of picks up mid-sentence. I apologize for that, uh, but I'll explain as I go. It says, and not holding fast to the head. That is the false teachers who were coming to falsely teach the Colossian believers. They weren't holding on to Jesus. They had let go of Jesus. Not holding fast to the head. From whom, now it's talking about Jesus. From whom, from Jesus. The whole body, that's you and me, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows, and, uh, grows with a growth that is from God. You see, I think part of what this is saying is this. At the moment you finally go, okay, I'm a sinner, I've disobeyed God, I'm therefore headed to hell when I die, I'm separated from God in this life, I want to be right with God, I want to have peace with God, I want forgiveness from God, and we say, okay, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe that you died for me and rose from the dead, I'm trusting in you now, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you and obey you for the rest of my life. At that moment, you become a part of the body of Christ, whether you realize it or not, okay? At that moment, you become a part of the body of Christ. You are knit together with the body of Christ. So, we don't always live that way, do we? We forget that fact. We don't realize that fact. We live as if we're a single strand out there rather than connected to the whole, right? And that's why in Colossians 2.2 2 that we're looking at is saying, look, I want you to be encouraged by actually being the body of Christ to each other. Don't just live out there on your own. Come together. Be linked, intertwined, interlooped with other believers in Christ, as the body of Christ. We need each other to be encouraged. We need someone else to give us perspective. We need to hear God's word from somebody else because I'm telling you what, for many years of my life, I realized 
When I'm discouraged or when I'm tempted to sin, I have the hardest time going to Scripture. I have the hardest time going to prayer. I get stuck in my head with my discouragement, with, my, with the sin I'm tempted to do, instead of going to God. What helps the most in those kind of situations is another brother or sister in Christ coming along and speaking the truth and love to you, praying for you, standing with you. We need each other. Is that true? We need each other. No one's an island. No one's a single strand on their own. So um, what I'd like to do is just briefly look at the very first church that uh, when the gospel was preached after Jesus died and rose from the dead, and the very first church started in Acts chapter 2, I think God put it there partly as encouragement to us to see what the church ought to be like and how we can be there for each other, how we can be knit together. So my question now is, when we're thinking about encouragement, how can we be more knit together as a church family? Okay, So I'm going to turn there. You can just see it on the screen if you'd like, or you can turn to Acts chapter 2, at the very end of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, it's an explanation of the very first church. And I'm going to briefly read it, make a couple points. Verse 42, it says this. And they, that's the very first church that ever existed, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, that is love for one another, the breaking of bread, that's communion, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Doesn't that sound awesome? That sounds, yeah, that's great. That's so encouraging. And, and God wants our church to be like that. This is a, an example to us. And let's look at a couple points here of how we can be better knit together as brothers and sisters in Christ here at Loreland Bible Church. First of all, it's a word we don't always like. It's the word commit, right? If you're following in the notes, commit to each other for the long haul. And we see that in the very first verse there, Acts 2.42. He says they were devoted. They were devoted to four things. One of those was to fellowship to being there for each other, to praying for each other, to serving each other, to loving each other, being devoted. God wants us to be devoted. It's, it's easy to hop from church to church. There's one thing you don't like. There's one person you don't like. So you skip town and go to the next church and you just keep doing that. God's saying, settle down, find a place, connect, right? This could be that place for you. And uh, we'd love to have you as a part of our church if you're new here. But whether you're new or old, you need to be connected, right? So being devoted, being committed. Secondly, uh, what we see here, uh, another way that God wants us to, to find and be knit together is to share with and to serve each other when needs arise. We saw that in that verse that, um, that, that whenever they had a need, someone would sell their possessions to have money to help with somebody else in need. And it's a privilege to, to get to see uh, and be a part of needs getting met in our church body. And if some of you have not seen that, um, I, I encourage you to get involved and look for opportunities to serve, to help, to give to each other when there are needs, and God will use you in that way. Um, so, so serving each other, meeting each other's needs. Also, next, thirdly, meeting regularly. Um, imagine uh, if, if you only saw your kids twice a year on Christmas and Easter. 
How much would you know your kids? That'd be terrible, right? Well, imagine if you only saw your church family twice a year. Or maybe even just twice a month. How well can you really know somebody? How often did the believers of the first church meet? Look at verse 46. In verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And by the way, the main thing that brought them fellowship, which I, which I didn't include in the notes, was the food part, right? You know, so that's why we have donuts for you out in the, in the uh, courtyard, nice health food to create some fellowship right now. But they met day by day. And today, in, in our culture today in America, it's like I've been to church once a month, I'm good to go. How are you going to really be linked together with other people closely if you only see them briefly once a month, right? It's not going to happen. And then finally, if you're following in the notes here, how do we, how do we link together? How do we uh, get knit together in love with other believers in our church? Is this meet together in small groups. Meet together in small groups. Now, my goal is to know everybody by name, okay, here at our church. Because I care for you. I love you guys. I want to know you. I want to know your prayer requests. I want to um, encourage you in the Lord. Um, and sure, I want to be encouraged too, right? Uh, but, but, it's, but it's really hard for me to learn all your names. Help me out, okay? Um, but for most of you, to know a hundred names is going to be a challenge, right? So here's the cool thing. This is why we encourage you all to get involved in small groups. Like the first church, they met together as a big group at the temple. They did it every day, but they would also meet in each other's homes. They broke down into small groups. And that's what God's word is exemplifying. That's what God is encouraging us to do because he knows that really to be knit together, you can't really be um, intimately involved with a hundred people, but you can be with two or three or four or five, right? In a small group. And that's why we want to encourage you and challenge you uh, to get into a small group. So this morning, um, I have the privilege of having a few of my friends. If you guys could come forward now, I've got four of my friends that are going to come up here and sit and answer a couple questions, a couple questions about the small groups that they're in. So as they come up, Jason Crossley is going to share about uh, life groups. Okay, that's one kind of group you can get involved in. And Letitia Perez is going to share about women's Bible studies. Those are another uh, small group that you can get involved in. And then Mike Perry, as he's coming down, <laughs> he's going to share about men's groups, which are another small group you can get involved in. And then Eric Roundson is going to share about connection classes, which happen on Sunday mornings, which is another group uh, that you can get involved in. So let's give them our ear and our attention. And if you guys wouldn't mind, Jason, good to see you, brother. Um, so, so tell us, if, if you all could answer this question first, it's, um, how have you personally been blessed and encouraged by the small group that you're a part of? You know, Andy, I was trying to find the words um, as you gave us the questions we were going to be talking on. And when I attended the service during the first hour, you said, living is a single strand. And I would say that characterized, that characterizes about 22 years of my walk with the Lord. I was trying to live as a single strand. I read my Bible every day. I prayed. I read books on theology. And I had to kind of find some way to reconcile with the passages, the passages that talked about living in a community and worshiping in the community. I think I said, well, I'm just a lone wolf Christian. When I came to commit myself to my small group in the body of brothers and in that small group of brothers and sisters, the Lord has blessed me. I've grown so much closer to him. 
as a result of growing closer to others. It's been a real big blessing to me. Awesome. And that's in a life group, right? Great. And then Mike, tell us about that with your men's group. Yeah. So um, I would say the probably the single most thing is, is not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, um, living it out in your life. Um, and that's, I don't know, it's been hugely impactful and it's helped my growth in uh, who Christ is, um, his word. It's helped me to be a better uh, husband, father, and uh, friend. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. I agree with all of what they said. <laughs> no. <Good>. Um, <laughs> so I, all the life groups, the men's groups, they're amazing, and they, and they have different roles for seasons and different things for life, like depending on what you're looking for. Um, I'm going to talk about connection classes. Those are great. They're on Sundays, actually, at this time. So if you have kids who go to, um, you know, their kids' classes, it's the same time, so you can come to t- at the 8 o'clock. But one of the things that's really blessed me about the connection classes is, one, they do what they say. You get connected. You get to meet a lot of people um, and go deeper in God's Word. Um, we really dive into um, doctrinal truths that are only found in Scripture and really root out why do we, we believe what we believe. And it's a safe place to ask questions um, and become like-minded and really that transforming of the mind and going deep in God's Word and what God's Word says um, and really following and understanding sound doctrine. I think it was one of the biggest things that came out of it for me was sound doctrine is huge. It's pretty much all the epistles, but we see it and we need it more and more today. So how do we know what we believe and how do we teach our kids what we believe? Um, that's one of the biggest things that came out from, from our group that we're in. I'm in the 30s and 40s connection. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. And Letitia with Women's Bible Studies. Yes, it was a beautiful thing. I was new to the Bakersfield area and I had a desire to uh, attend a women's group with uh, other women who is desires to dig into God's word. And it was beautiful because I was able to see the perspectives um, from everybody in my group, different age groups, and how God was using his truth in their lives and it encouraged me. It was, uh, it, was, it was very beautiful. And I know that the other women were also encouraged. And they also you know, felt very hopeful through whatever season that they were in. So it was, it was a beautiful, um, it was a blessing to me as it was to them as well. That's so great, Letitia. Awesome. So keep the microphone. So my next question to all of you, starting with Letitia, is, you know, if someone is, is here today and they're kind of on the fence, like, should I join a group or not? What might you say to them as to why they ought to join a group? Just do it. (laughs) I would say just do it. A lot of us are on the fence about a lot of different things that God is already pulling in our hearts to to do. Uh, He's already told us uh, that this is what we should do. Uh, And so I believe that it would, you should just take the step. We're all um, flawed people, but uh, we're all here with the desire to honor God, to be woven into the tapestry of his body. And so that is the first step. So I would say just just do it. Do it. Awesome. Uh, I agree 100%. Just do it. Um, if you are interested in coming to a connection classes or a lot of different connection classes, it's on Sundays at 10 o'clock. Um, so you're already here. So just come a little earlier, go to first service, and then you can hit a connection class. Um, it's a really great pre- place to get rooted um, in God's word, to what he says about specific things, because he has an opinion. Um, and if you're interested in 30s and 40s classes, I know we're going through um, kind of like systematic theology. We're looking at 
you know, the nature of man, sin, angels, demons, end times. So really light stuff, no big <laughs> deal. Um, but, but no, like if you have questions, we do too. So it's a great place to come together, ask questions, and build those relationships um, together to be part of that um, family of believers following Christ together um, and to be knitted in that sweater that Andy was talking about. Awesome. Starting next week. Starting next Sunday, yep. Uh, yeah, so um, I used to not feel very connected, and uh, this man to my right um, gave me an opportunity. I'm a career fireman, so my schedule's all messed up, and um, so they would Zoom me in and do Google Classroom stuff, um, and that just goes to show you um, the commitment that the, the men's groups and just our church family has. Um, if you're on the fence, uh, most of the time that's probably pride. I know I had some of that that I had to lay at Christ's um, feet, um, I would highly recommend um, come to the men's group. We'd love to have you. Thanks, Mike. Joining a life group is one way to really be encouraged in how God cares about each one of us and our families. Um, I know sometimes it, it's hard to see where God is, especially in our pain and in our trials. I'll give you an example. Um, we have a practice in our life group where we pray for each other. We, we raise prayer requests and we pray for each other. And we met this last Monday, and I said, okay, well, what are our prayer requests for this next week? Well, instead of raising prayer requests, we spent the next half hour talking about praises, how God has shown up big time in the last couple months in all of our lives, and, and we're so blessed. If we're walking as that single strand, we don't see that. We tend to get so fixed on what's happening in our lives, but walking with others, hearing their praises, uh, the way God's moving, um, we just see he's so much bigger than we oftentimes give him credit for. And um, it's just a wonderful thing to pray for each other and to celebrate with each other. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, you guys. Appreciate it so much. Yeah. Great. Well said. <clears throat> Well said. That was awesome. Hey, could you do me a favor, you guys, everyone out there, and just grab in the seat rack in front of you this uh, brochure that says small groups on it. Just take a minute just to reach forward and grab that thing. I want to show you what's in it real quick. Uh, maybe some of you looked at it last week out in the courtyard, but if you haven't, just grab one real quick and let me show you what's in there. Um, these groups that were mentioned up there are in here as well as some other kind of specialty groups, if you want to call them that. But on the, um, the first side there, the connection classes, you see these are the ones that will be starting, as, as Bill asked, next Sunday. These are starting. Okay, then the men's groups are starting up not this week, but next week. Those are in the middle of the page. And then the women's groups, some of them are starting the week after next. Some of them are starting the week after that. They'll make sure you know. That's on the uh, right-hand side. Now, if you turn it back in, the life groups there, those are starting the week after this one. Those are the life groups. And then on the back page, we have some of the specialty groups, the support groups. We have Grieving God's Way, if you're grieving about something. We have Smart Step Families, if you're part of a blended family. We have Truth Ministries, if you need help with an addiction. Uh, we also have Spiritual Care, which trains you uh, how to deal with uh, just emotional and, and relational challenges in your life. So those are all great. Uh, take a look at those. If you are interested in one of those, circle any of the ones you're interested in. And then write your name and your cell phone number on the front so we can sell your cell phone number for lots of money and lots of junk mail can come to your phone. Um, not, not true, but, uh, but that way we can get a hold of you and make sure that you get into the group that you are interested in.
So, let me close by saying this. Uh, Again, are you linked together, knit together with the body of Christ? Or are you more of like a single strand out there on your own? And then the next question would be this. Where does God want you to be? Let's pray, and then we're going to take communion together. Our Father in heaven, we bless you and praise you that you are the God of encouragement, that you encourage your children through many different means, whether it's through your promises or through other believers. Lord, I pray for each of us here that even this morning that you would encourage our hearts, whether we're fearful or whether we're sorrowful, that you would instill courage or instill joy within our hearts. I pray that you would strengthen each one of us to love each other, to go out of our ways to look for people to encourage, that we would be good listeners, good prayers, that we would remember scriptures to share with each other. Lord, make us into a church that's truly an encouraging, uplifting place for your glory and for your ultimate praise. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Now, hey, guys, we get to do something else that's awesome this morning, and we get to take communion together. Um, And what is communion all about? I've got my cup here. If you didn't get one of these with the bread and the juice in it, you can go onto the back table. If if I I still see a little bit on those tables. If not, there's more in the foyer. Don't feel embarrassed. I forget every other time we have communion to pick one up. So so go ahead and you can go out and grab one if you'd like, if you're a believer in Christ, to to take this. And um, what what is communion all about, right? Uh, For those of you who know Christ, uh, it's a special reminder, right? Whenever the Bible talks about communion, it talks about remembering what Christ has done. And some of you aren't 100% sure what Christ has done. So let me, let me just remind you of the wonderful, uh, beautiful message of what God has done for you personally. You see, God created us by his power uh, to have a friendship with him that would last for all of eternity. But because we were interested in other things and were selfish, we sinned. We, we broke his commandments. And every human being ever since the first human beings have broken his laws, his commandments over and over. In fact, more than we'd ever like to admit, more than we'd ever realize, we've disobeyed, we've broken his, his commandments, we've actually rebelled against him, whether we realize it or not. And because of that, Jesus came and told us the result. It is not only separation from God in this life, but also in the next life, in a place called the lake of fire. And Jesus came that no one would have to go to the lake of fire. Jesus came to live a perfect life. He, was, he came, was born of a, of a virgin, of Mary, did a miracle so that he could be fully God and fully human at the same time. He was the one and only human to live a sinless, perfect, spotless, blameless life. And as he lived, he taught us the truth. He showed us the truth that we had veered away from. Us, from, from. We were living for ourselves, controlling our own lives rather than letting the God of creation control our lives. And so then, he was crucified, not because of any sins or crimes he committed, except for the religious leaders said, hey, 
you're a criminal because you're claiming to be the son of God. It's not a crime if it's true. It was true. Jesus in his authority as God, as the son of God, could have at any point stopped uh, the Romans from crucifying him. But he didn't because this was the ultimate reason he came. You see, because when we sin, when we break God's laws, whether we realize it or not, there's a punishment for that. Just as if I was to commit a crime in California, there's punishments for our crimes in the state of California. There's spiritual punishments for the spiritual crimes that we do against God. And ultimately, the punishment is death, physical death here in this life, but then eternal death in hell. And so Jesus said, let me take that death for you. Let me take that suffering for you on the cross. Jesus figuratively went through hell on the cross so we would not literally have to go to hell. He took all of our sins, all of our shame, all of our guilt upon himself as his hands were outstretched and nailed onto that cross and his feet nailed to that cross with a crown of thorns beat onto his head. He took all the sins of you and me, all the sins of the world upon himself. And he suffered and died there for us in our place instead of us. We deserve to be crucified. We deserved hell. Jesus took it for you and for me out of his great love, out of his great mercy out of his great compassion. He was the only one who did that. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not the Hare Krishna, not the Dalai Lama, not any other religious leader. Only Jesus was willing to do that. Why? Because he's the only one who, who truly was in it for you, not for himself, like all those other false teachers. He was in it for you. He wanted to save your soul. He wanted to give you life. He wanted to have a relationship with you forever and ever. Do you want that? And the good news is that when he died, he couldn't stay dead. Three days later, the father raised him from the dead. You say, that's impossible. You're absolutely right, it's impossible. Go to any graveyard and try to raise anyone from the dead. But God raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he was someone different, that he wasn't just some other guru or or special teacher or religious leader, but that this was the very son of God, the creator of the universe come to humanity. He raised him from the dead to prove who he really was. He raised him from the dead to prove that his death on the cross was everything you and I ever needed to be forgiven, that you're totally forgiven. What's the proof? His resurrection. The Father also raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he is with us every day for the rest of our lives, every time we need encouragement, every time we need forgiveness, every time we need wisdom, every time we need strength, every time we need anything we need, Jesus is there because he is risen from the dead. Do you believe it this morning? That's what this represents. And Jesus said, do this often. And every time you do it, do it in remembrance of all that I just said, of the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus did. So this morning, there may be someone here that's saying, you know, I've I've never really believed that. Um, but, But I'm ready to believe. Hey, this is the morning to do it. Call out to God. He wants you to be right with him. Ask him for forgiveness. He wants to forgive you. That's why he suffered as he did on the cross. If you're not a believer and you're not ready to do that, just uh, this is for Christians because when we take the bread, when we take the juice, it's like reinstating our belief. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you suffered for me. I believe that you forgave my sins already by dying on the cross. And it's, it's a way of recommitting to Christ. I commit to live for you. 
I'm taking it. So this isn't for people who don't believe, but if, if you're ready to commit to Christ, if you're ready to receive his forgiveness, take it with us. I love what Jesus said the night before he was crucified, the night that he was betrayed in Luke chapter 22, 19, speaking of the Lord's Supper, it says this, and, and he, Jesus, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. If you're a believer in Christ, let's, let's take this time uh, to thank Jesus for what he was willing to do for us. Isn't he worthy of our thanks? And, and also use it as an opportunity to confess sin. He wants us to confess our sins to him every day. But, but taking communion is a great reminder to confess our sins before God, to admit that we have sinned, to ask him for forgiveness, to ask for strength to turn away from that sin. So let's take the bread first. What I'm going to do is, is have each of you in your seats pray to the Lord yourself. If you're with your family, pray with your family. Take the bread first, which represents his body that was killed for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. And then take the juice, which symbolizes his blood, and thank him for his blood shed on the cross. Uh, take it when you're ready, and then John's going to close us, uh, and we're going to worship him together. So let me pray for us as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Thank you that you sent your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, the Son of God, to suffer and die on that cross, not because of his sins, but because of ours. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your willingness to sacrifice your life, to go through so much pain so that we could have eternal life. We believe it this morning. We take this communion saying, thank you, Jesus. We take this communion this morning saying, we are sinners that need your daily forgiveness and you give it to us because Christ died and because Christ rose. We bless you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take communion together.